Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of JNC Views on Marketing. I'm Meg Goodman. On this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with the Director of Marketing at Bernina North America, Michael Lynn Rose. A graduate of the University of Wisconsin Parkside, Michael Lynn got her start in the agency side of marketing. Prior to marketing for one of the world's largest sewing manufacturers, Bernina, she worked in the insurance, banking, and even mattress industry. Michael Lynn also runs her very own photography studio and is an avid gardener. Hey, Michael Lynn. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to have you join us today. This is this is so timely about uh, what we're going to be talking about, about how uh, Bernina is operating during COVID time and and so many pertinent things to talk about. I'm going to jump right into this and just say, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up working at Bernina? I guess divine providence. Um, it all just <laughs> fell into place. Um, you know, as... As you know, I was with CERTA before I went there, and CERTA had um, closed their Chicago office, and they were consolidating and moving everyone to Atlanta. So I had started looking for opportunities within the area um, here because I wasn't ready to leave Chicago, although I'm wondering if that was a good idea now that it's starting to snow again. (laughs) But, um, and, and the opportunity came along, and the more I spoke with them, um, they're a, a privately held company out of Steckborn, Switzerland, and this is the uh, division here for the United States. So it seemed like a really, really great opportunity and the right path for my career. So... Before you started at Bernina, you mentioned this before, you started there in in March of 2020, uh, and you mentioned that you worked for CERTA, and you were there for about seven years. Now, like Bernina, the CERTA brand has been around for a long time. So tell us about how your work on the consumer marketing and e-commerce team affected the already strong brand name. CERTA? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it it was a new venture for CERTA, really. We knew that direct-to-consumer was going to be big. It was before Casper hit the market. And um, we did have some hurdles to overcome in that, you know, mattress uh, stores and big box stores uh, where the majority of people go to purchase their mattresses, furniture stores. And we wanted to see about getting into the direct-to-consumer business and see how that would start. Um so it was very interesting. It was building something kind of from the ground up and reinventing it to to make it work. And we had to do it very stealthily in the beginning because all of the dealers were afraid that CERTA was going to steal their customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a very interesting thing to do. And we ended up taking that uh, from zero to, you know, double digit millions very quickly. And it was an interesting time in that we were a manufacturer and not a retailer. So Mm -hmm. everything that we had to do, we had to do kind of from the ground up and figure out back doors on how to make it go through all of our systems. Because at the time, I believe we had 24 different factories and everything was made to order. 
You know, it's it's interesting. During your tenure there, there were so many newcomers to the marketplace. Um, so, you know, you rode uh, a pretty interesting wave there at, at CERTA. So I want to go back to Bernina now. They've been around for over 100 years. Um, they're one of the leading brands in, in sewing machines worldwide. And as, as a side note, um, I have some friends who are sewists. Some are very avid quilters. Uh, and when I told you, uh, told them who I was speaking to and, and where you worked, they, they just got all excited about it. They're like, oh my gosh, Bernina, you know, that's, that's like the, the epitome of, of the machine. So, um, you know, you certainly work for a brand that is well-known and respected. So tell me, how does marketing for such an established brand differ from um, marketing for a brand that's fighting for market share? What, what are your different challenges? Well, make no mistake, there's always a fight for market share, no mm -hmm. matter how established your brand is. It's very interesting in that the product is fantastic. It is not a, a lot of sewists in the United States. It is an aspirational brand. Um, and we do have something for everyone. Uh, from beginners to experts to prosumers, um, you know, the people who do the finish quilting and things like that. So it's it's been very, very interesting. But it's also uh, been quite a fight for market share because some of our biggest competitors out there, some other brands, um, if somebody's purely shopping on price, they're going to perhaps choose one of the competitors if they're mm -hmm. searching for something that is technologically solid with the Swiss precision that's going to have all the bells and whistles that they want, then we're going to be in that consideration set. The one thing I know for certain is once you sew on a Bernina, there's no going back. There's nothing like it. You know, it's like driving a, a sports car. You know, you, you, uh, once you experience that luxury and, and precision handling, uh, and the purr of the engine, it's hard to go back to your Toyota. You know, it's, it's interesting. Again, when I talk to these quilters that I know, uh, first of all, they pretty much mirrored what you said to me, uh, un, uncoached. And, and secondly, they own more than one Bernina machine, which, which I find very interesting. And, um, in, in researching your company and, and learning more, you all build a culture, uh, that really transcends the transactions of buying machines of, of just product marketing. And, and part of that, Michael Lynn is, um, I know your company provides multiple classes, webinars, um, and event options for customers. You, you, you really pull them in, um, have you seen a recent increase in interest for these online resources? Um, and, you know, especially in the times we're in right now. Uh, and if so, how have you all taken advantage of this? We definitely have top-notch, world-class educators. We have a whole education department here that's headed up by Christy Bircham. Um, and they do an amazing job from dealer training to consumer training to technical training for repair, uh, which Hans is the head of that group. Um, and 
it's it's interesting because we work very closely with the education department and our social media and we brainstorm together we create projects together we take a look at what is working in the marketplace or what the demand is and we also have a enormous group of ambassadors that contribute to our social media and we have some educators that are um consultants that go to the different stores mm-hmm. and do things. So between all of these people, which are amazing sewists and have different skill sets and levels, we are constantly touching base and keeping our pulse on the consumer and, and what they're looking for. So for example, we've had over 5 million views on making a mask on a serger. Now, it, can, can you explain a, what a serger is? A serger is a machine. It's a multi-threaded machine. So, you know, when you buy a garment at the store and you look at the hemline underneath it, or you look inside where the seams are and you'll see how it is, I'm looking in, in my sweater right now. Um, and, and you'll see, <laughs> visual I, I'm such user. a visual person. Um, and what it does mm-hmm. is it takes all of those threads and it creates an overlocking stitch and it finishes mm-hmm. off that seam. Um, and garment sewists, it makes things much faster and more sturdy. So a lot of the mask making that was out there um was more traditional sewing so we decided to take a different bend on it because we were coming out with our brand new overlocker slash serger an amazing machine the l890 and we wanted to help promote the sergers um that every month is our number one video that is watched since we posted it Mm -hmm. And I believe we have over, I want to say, and I could be wrong. So Elise, I apologize if I get this wrong, but I think we've had over 5 million views on it um, between our different Mm -hmm. social media platforms. And we have sold out of overlocker sergers. So it has been an amazing journey. So just those things do influence consumers, but we also want to be the educators in the place for people to come to learn about sewing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, the, the statistics um, that I have is you have over 70,000 followers on Instagram and uh, monthly views on Pinterest uh, are about 5.8 million, um, which is amazing. And it's you know, even even more amazing, Michael Lynn, is in these times, many people, when they were uh, homebound, quarantine, whatever, took up new hobbies. Uh, and it was cooking or whatever. And sewing really rose to the top of that. So you have a whole new family of, of sewists who have come to the Bernina brand who may never have considered doing this before, but thought this was a good time. Have you seen anything different about this audience? Do you, are you um, treating them differently? Is there, you know, something special about people today who have come to to Bernina to learn to sew? 
what we're seeing is a lot of new sewists and re-emerging sewists. And what I mean by that is when the need for masks arose, people who had sewed in the past grabbed their machines and they pulled them out of the closet and they realized that they needed service or they didn't work. Um, and there was this decision to purchase a new machine. So um, we have some very um, established people and everybody needs to brush up on the basics. So we've focused in on basic sewing and providing them with the tools that they need to get back into it. And also for all of the new people who are just starting to sew, you can start with the masks, which are fairly simple, but then as they gain confidence and they start thinking about new things to do. So we are providing a very, very comprehensive amount of classes for beginning sewists, intermediate and advanced. And what we're trying to do is to help them find their sewing identity. And once they're done with the need for masks, to try and convert as many of them to ongoing sewists and hobbyists uh, through these different types of sewing, whether it be quilting, garment sewing, home decor, embroidery, um, all of those different things. And we are creating that content and putting it out there for people to come and engage with us. And the outreach has been over just overwhelming what people, the thankfulness and the comments and the engagement, which we've had a strong community to begin with, but we are seeing now the younger folks starting to come and engage, which is just a great feeling to know that we're being able to provide, hopefully, a new passion for them. Mm hmm you know, I, I must say that you mentioned Bernina is an aspirational brand and you have aspirational sewists. And, and even if somebody hasn't been a sewist at, at all or doesn't sew, the content that you have out there includes uh, up and coming designers, uh, different things that people can do. And it's it, it, watching the designers and, and what they're accomplishing um, and, and explaining their passion for it um, is really inspirational. And it's almost, uh, on the other side, mesmerizing to, to watch some of the different things your machines can do and uh, the technology, you know, for those who don't understand sewing uh, is a pretty cool thing to watch as well. There, you have uh, a lot of content out there where people who have never done this in their life can really learn a lot of things. Um, Michael, and I, I want to go back to you. I want to talk about your storied career. Uh, and you began working for various marketing and advertising agencies. So you sat on my side of the desk, but then you made the move to the corporate side of the industry. So I want to ask, you know, what made you make that move and what are some of the biggest differences from working for an agency and working corporate side? It's there is a there is a difference, obviously. Um, I I really enjoyed working in the agency world, and I love the fast paced uh, environment. Um, that is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Not that things aren't <laughs> fast paced here on the client side, but um, it it is 
it is a different a different ball game, really. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You get to focus on many, many, many things. You get to hone your skills in many areas, um, but you it's kind of a one and done, right? If you work on mm -hmm. a great brand, and I've had the wonderful opportunity to work on many great brands from the agency side, you don't really get to follow through then to see how you're building that brand and how you're growing the business and making a huge difference because you're on to the next mm -hmm. and you only get involved in a small portion of it. So um, when I did jump over to the client side, which um, I had started on there and then was kind of lured to the dark side of the agency world <laughs> and yes, stayed indeed. There for many years. <laughs> um, but then when I, I went back to the uh, client side was when I joined Allstate. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a great opportunity to work for a Fortune 50 company with an incredibly talented group of people in the integrated marketing communications. And I got to do to take my agency skills and bring them into a place where I could I was doing direct to consumer there and doing DRTV, which I love. And it was kind of everything. But I it was I, I was the shepherd. Right. Mm -hmm. on, on, on a lot of that. And it was, it was a very different experience. And there's so many avenues on the client side that you can, can move through and, and work with and learn different aspects. So it just was a natural fit. And quite honestly, you know, my days of 18 hours a day are a little <laughs> bit behind me. So, sure. um, so it, it worked out really well. And I was able to take all my skills and put them into moving brands forward uh, and watching them grow. Now, we, we were talking about when you, you started your career, you said you did some DRTV at Allstate. Um, and I'm assuming that uh, early on, many of your responsibilities uh, revolved around mail, direct mail. So having worked across myriad industries um, and with a lot of new technology, does mail still have as large of a role? And, and how has it evolved along with the marketing industry? This is a topic near and dear to my heart. Well, you know, I one at one point in my career, I mailed a twelve million pieces of direct mail a month with a mm -hmm. hundred and forty four versions. All right, now now twelve million a month. You don't hear numbers like that anymore. Um, no, they've they've really no. decreased from that. But sure. that was at the tip of the you know, the, the pinnacle in the credit card world and it was for acquisition and we had a I want to say a one point seven six percent, I believe, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly, response rate, which we didn't get there overnight. It was a lot of testing and optimizing to get it to that point. Um, which I love that part of direct mail. Direct mail is such a science. And mm -hmm. you know what I found interesting because I have been around for a little while, is a lot of the same principles, and, and I will get back to direct mail, but a lot of the same principles that are there translate over into digital. And whether it's email or, or a different form of direct response, 
um, I, I think it's, I find it a little humorous because, you know, of course now they're all inventing all these new ideas, <laughs> but, um, but direct mail has definitely is never going to be replaced as the one-to-one -one communication to get your ideas, your promotions, your information to the right customer at the right time through the correct vehicle. Um, and we're seeing more and more with the uh, millennial folks. Mm -hmm. They appreciate direct mail and they respond very well to it. Here at Bernina, um, we do a lot of direct mail for our dealers. And it is very targeted and we are finding that it converts very well. Um, we just did a catalog mailing, for example, and people, our dealers are amazed. People are walking into the store with the catalog, pointing at whichever page and machine or product that's in there. I want this. And the mm -hmm. dealers are like, this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. they just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. So I've heard for years, direct mail is going to go by the wayside. I, mm -hmm. I don't think it will. I think that there's always going to be a need for it. It may evolve. Um, digital print certainly has made that one-to-one -one communication with, you know, variable messaging um, a thing that gives me a ton of options that I didn't have in the past. Mm -hmm. So I can take the picture of their current machine that they have and image it onto that direct mail piece. Oh, look, you have the Aurora machine here. And don't you want this new 770 product mm -hmm. instead? Um, and, and be very, very personalized and very targeted. And it keeps my costs down now with digital because each one of those are built on the fly. As you know, they're coming mm -hmm. off personalized. Their name can go all through it. It is like I created something specifically for them, which I, we did, but um, it's fascinating. So postage can be expensive, and that holds a lot of people back from from mailing. And, and it shouldn't, because it should all be based on your return, right? Your ROI and your cost per sale. And if I'm sending out a catalog that my postage is going to be 44 cents, you know, uh, standard mail, where else am I going to be able to acquire a customer for so little? Mm-hmm. And even though a good percentage of them may still end up in, in the trash, I am still very being able to very target the audience in a way that I really can't do in any other media because email, it's way too easy to delete it. At least if I have it in my hand, I have to think for a few seconds before I drop it in the trash. I'm going <laughs> to see it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to touch it. And go, ooh, shiny, shiny. Oh, nope. Going to throw it away now. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think direct mail's here to stay. Yeah, especially with people home now, it's it's they're they're paying more attention to the mail in their mailbox. It's a it's a communication from beyond, and um, I'm sure the ROI ultimately 
uh, is good for you all. Um, and it's good to hear that uh, you feel that that medium is still relevant. Michael, and I'm going to ask one last question that I always close uh, our, our podcast conversations with. And that's what question didn't I ask you that you wish I had and what's your answer to it? Um, <laughs> how, how was starting a new job amidst the pandemic for Yeah, how for was that? <laughs> how was that indeed? Oh my gosh, I started at Bernina on March 2nd. And in two mm-hmm. short weeks, who knew the world was going to change? It, it was you know, talk about drinking from a fire hose. It Mm. was an amazing, um, time, but it was also looking back on it. It was a phenomenal way to get deep, deeply involved in the business and make a huge difference, um, to help try and keep things going. And no one at the time knew, where sewing was going to end up at. Um, and those first couple of weeks were, were pretty, pretty crazy. And all we wanted to do is drive traffic into the dealer's doors. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it went on from there and we haven't been able to breathe since it's been so busy, but it's been a really good busy. And I feel like we're providing, um, products and services and education to millions of people out there and making a difference and hopefully bringing some peace of mind to uh, consumers with the ability to create masks and protect themselves, their families, and local heroes in their community. Absolutely. What what an adventure. Um, Michael Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. So Michael Lynn, if people want to know more how can they find you? Um, the best way to contact me is through LinkedIn. Um, send me a message uh, and I'll be happy to uh, help you any way that I can. That's great. And and be sure to uh, let Michael Lynn know that uh, you heard her here on the JNC podcast. Michael Lynn, thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you on. Well, thank you, Meg. So that's that. Another episode of JNC. This episode was produced by Kevin Tyertz and edited by Emily Hegland. I'm Meg Goodman, and I'll J and see you next time.